listener. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. Are you tired of searching all over the internet for just the right podcast? Well, Moose Media Inc.'s got you covered. If it's the horror and the macabre that sends chills up your spine, then Moose's Monster Mash is the show for you. Or, if you prefer hearing stories from pop culture icons of the past, present, and future, Bull Spit with Moose has your name written all over it. Just give me a follow over on Twitter at the handle Moose Media Inc. And if there's not an episode between those two shows that you like, that Twitter account is backed by a double your money back guarantee. And that, my friends, is no bull spit. Hey, everybody, it's CJ Graham, Jason Voorhees, Friday the 13th, Part 6, and you're listening to Moose's Monster Mash. digging up an old guest. Bear with me and I'll get him here. Flip this switch. Turn these knobs. Yes. Rise. Rise, my guest. Rise. He's alive. He's alive. Uh, is, is that my intro? I, I mean, a little much? Uh, Maybe a little. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, first, third time on the show, here he is on Friday the 13th to talk about the legacy that is Jason and Friday the 13th, Billy Zombilly Peck. Hello, I'm alive. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, happy to be back. Um, You know, got a... Is this... Did you say my third time? Yeah. I think it's my fourth. Third, fourth, eventually fifth. I had my first where we talked. Well, it was the first episode. I say your first episode. Halloween franchise. <laughs> yep. And then you had me come on for Sandy Grin's episode to talk a little Chucky and Beetlejuice. You're right. And then you and took then, over the episode. So this is your and fourth. And then I took over and interviewed you. Good call. For your... 13 days of moose miss. Good call. And now, now I'm back. He's back. The man behind the mask. Alice Cooper wrote a song for uh, Friday the 13th, part six, I believe. Which I touched on He's briefly back. with another guest I had, CJ Graham, Jason from part yep. six. So anyway, I'm happy to be here to talk uh, Friday the 13th. I, I, I'm 
I'm glad that I can come back and, and be part of like these big franchise episodes, so to speak. To, to peel the curtain back a little bit, I mean, we, we talk about these enough in private. It's like, well, m might as well put it out there for other people to listen to, too, right? <laughs> yep. Before we get into the, I, I guess, legacy of the movies, let's yes. talk about some of the uh, um, outside areas of the the Friday the Thirteenth legacy. Uh, let's start with the, uh, I'd say the two, the like the top two Friday the Thirteenth documentaries that if you haven't seen them, you probably should. And that's Crystal Lake Memories and the Kane Hodder documentary. You pointed me to the Kane Hodder documentary, oh, a couple of years ago, I think it was. Yeah, it was when yeah, he was at Crypticon. Yeah. Uh, right, around, right around that time. And it's definitely a good insight into the man who would be the, like, preeminent Jason. Sure. Yeah, it's not strictly a Friday the 13th documentary, uh, you know, but uh, without, you know, without Kane Hodder, you know, who knows where the Friday the 13th franchise would have gone. And obviously he's, you know, the only person to play Jason more than once and uh, definitely brought a new life to the character, considered by many to be, you know, kind of the favorite, you know, quintessential version of Jason and uh so yeah uh definitely you know I, I think it might be free on Amazon Prime about every other month it pops up on Amazon Prime and with Friday the 13th it should it's usually right around that time where you can sure. definitely watch it but yeah um it, it's a great documentary based I, I well you know off of his life but I suppose off of his book as well um which is called Unmasked. And uh, yeah, so there's that. And then there's Crystal Lake Memories, which is, you know, as far as like franchise documentaries, one of the most comprehensive Very documentaries, you know, for any franchise. I think the only other one that's considered better and it was made by the same team was the Never Sleep Again for Nightmare on Elm Street. But, um, yeah, Crystal Lake Memories is a great documentary. It's like, what, like four or five hours long? Something yeah, say, like that. I had to watch it in two sittings because it, it covers, yeah, the entire, it breaks down the entire franchise movie yeah. by movie. Yes. And it, it doesn't glass over anything. Right. The, the neat thing about the documentary is like, like you just said, you can you know, it goes, it breaks it down movie by movie. And sometimes what I like to do is if I'm in the mood for it or whatever, I will just, you know, just start from the beginning. Say I watch the first movie. Um, I'll watch the documentary, you know, maybe before it or after it to, you know, so it gives me different things to look at or different perspective. And, you know, you can do that with each movie. That's, that's pretty cool. I think to give like the, the cliff notes backstory to the documentary is there was one that was re released prior called his name was Jason. 
and um i i enjoy it but it was pretty widely received as is not loved but i think some of the neat stuff about it was like it did pull in a lot of people uh who worked on the franchise it's uh the host of it is tom savini you know obviously very connected to the to the series um and a cool thing is is he's going through uh halloween horror nights which is a a haunted house attraction at universal studios and the year it was being made um one of the haunted house attractions was friday the 13th and uh which i actually went through uh so it was really cool to have gone through that and then watch the documentary and then be able to see like all the set pieces and stuff and tom savini's working in it and whatever but anyway not super well received i think it's i don't even remember maybe an hour half or, or two and clearly that's not enough to cover the franchise as as well as it could so a book was made a big kind of coffee table type book called crystal lake memories and um it's very comprehensive and then they decided we should we should make a documentary out of this because the never sleep again one came out and did amazing so they're just like we need some redemption here and then they made that documentary so i know little little uh lengthy in the talk about it but that's why this came to be well i mean it had to be lengthy how how do you sum up a five-hour documentary i mean (laughs) and and listeners if you haven't seen this coffee table book you could use this book as a coffee table so (laughs) that's how thick this thing is yeah it's it's cool and my copy is signed by by many many people throughout the franchise most recently uh terry kaiser Yes, out of Friday the 13th Part 7. Um, maybe better known as Bernie, who we've spent a couple weekends with. We have. <laughs> I mean, the, the documentary is definitely one to watch. And if you're looking for a place to watch it or other great horror stuff, just pick up a subscription to Shudder. It's on Shudder right now. Yeah, it's like six bucks a month. Say six bucks a month for a Shutter subscription. You get, you can get that documentary, the Tom Savini uh, making monsters documentary, and you can get the Creep Show series, and a whole Holliston. bunch of uh, say and Holliston. Which if you haven't watched <laughs> it, watch it because we need a season three. Yes, we do, and to you know to make connections to it uh kane hotter's in holliston season two and he's in he shows up in several episodes and Derek mears who also plays jason shows up in several episodes so free plug go subscribe to shutter (laughs) (laughs) you know i i guess as fans of the franchise we have to make do with fan films which we'll get into a little bit later and uh podcasts and things because we're not going to get a new friday the 13th outing for a while yeah because as the fans are aware it's all tied up in court right now under 
who owns who? It's kind of a clusterfuck. Yeah, you know, you know. So to try and break this down a little again, you know, simply, there's a lot more to it. But and I don't even know it's so much who owns who. It's more like you know, because Sean Cunningham owns the characters basically, and and then you know. And I'm not even sure right now. It, it kind of goes back and forth between Paramount or New Line WB, who owns the film rights or the distribution rights, you know, currently. But like it's held up because not so much for ownership, but for compensation over characters created. You know, this was an idea by Sean Cun- Cunningham, um, but he had Victor Miller write you know the story and um so a lot of times basically what happens is you are hired to come on and write this movie uh, or whatever the case is and if you know that movie gets made you get paid seems kind of like end of transaction but when you you know, name the character of Jason, you create Camp Crystal Lake, you create a lot of the main aspects of something, and then those things continue to be used for years and years and years and years, 30-some years to come, what ends up happening is, well these characters that you created have made a whole lot of money that you're not seeing. So I believe it's after like a 30 year time frame, you can, um, you can try and, you know, get in on some of that action basically. Um, so, that's well, what I mean, Victor cause Miller's yeah, at that point doing. it's a proven property and it, right. it, there's money to be made. Right, because, you know, when the first movie is being made, there's there's no talks or even thought of franchise no. or anything like that or toys and video games and books and comic books and clothing and uh, whatever else, you know, and, and multiple movies, you know, getting made. Um, yeah, w- once you, uh, you know, help create that thing, but then it continues to get used, you kind of want a piece of that pie as well. And Victor Miller isn't trying to claim ownership or anything that I am aware of. He just wants his cut. But then, you know, greed comes in and Sean Cunningham's like, well, I'm the one that, uh, you know, kept this thing going. I own it. I paid you. And, you know, he only got paid like a thousand dollars. Imagine getting paid a thousand dollars to create everything you know about Friday the Thirteenth and Jason Voorhees, and it's been a multi-million-dollar, you know, thing. Well, I mean, th- this lawsuit has very real-world uh, ramifications, rather. Yeah. Um. Because it it could change how, and rightfully so, 
how writers are treated in the world of cinema. The same yeah. the, the same way writers were treated and had to be changed in the world of comics. Because this is very yes. similar to the uh, Siegel-Schuster uh, Superman story. You know, they, 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 they wrote and created Superman, got paid for the character, and then Superman takes off like a rocket, and they're left basically dirt poor. Same thing it happened with Batman, too. And there's and actually Bill a Finger. Great, there's, a, there's a great documentary, I think it's still on Hulu, called Batman and Bill. Right. And if you watch this, it will kind of break down exactly what is going on here. Maybe not exactly, of of course, but it, like but pretty close. I mean, it's Bill. There was Bill Finger and Bob King. Thank you. And um, Bob King came up with the idea of Batman, but like the character looked completely different. Whatever. He brought Bill Finger in to to help refine the character. He came up with the look. He came up with the name Bruce Wayne. He came up with Gotham Joker. Batmobile, all this stuff, and was silently paid over many years, but Bob got all the credit, and then, like, Bill Finger just stopped getting used, yada, yada, yada. You fast forward, Bob's the uh, face of Batman. Bill Finger yeah. is buried in a was buried in a pauper's grave. Well, and that yeah, that's even more crazy of a story, which we don't have to get into the whole thing. Obviously, it's not a Batman show, but this dude <laughs> was buried so much and discredited so much that literally no one knew who he was. Right. So anyway, Victor Miller just wants he wants to make sure that don't happen to him. <laughs> want some credit for his creation. So it, it'll definitely be interesting to see how this plays out and how it changes Hollywood. Here, Here is an interesting piece of info that I'll share about this as well before I, I'm done with my portion of talking about this, really. Shelly from Part 3, chubby, curly-haired guy. Yeah. He's the one that wears the mask and essentially presents Jason with the hockey mask for the first time. His name is Larry Zerner, and he is an entertainment lawyer in Hollywood now. He kind of broke down exactly what was going on, and I'm sure there's articles that, like, he put it all, all out as tweets, and I'm sure someone picked it up as articles. I'm sure Bloody Disgusting would have. He breaks it down very well, and the, the neat thing about it is that he's part of the Friday the 13th legacy. Right. So. Like, when this lawsuit first broke, people were like, oh, it's just, it's a lawsuit about a horror movie. No, it's it's more than that. This is about writers getting credit for well, their yeah. creations. And, you know, it put so many things on halt. Um, You know, the video game, they were going to continuously be adding new levels and, and whatever, but then, like, they were told that they couldn't anymore because no new content can mm -hmm. be made. That's why, like, action figures from NECA, they continued to come out only because they were already in production. But we haven't seen new ones drop. Movie, you know, uh, 
that it's it has been the longest amount of time that uh no Friday the 13th movie has come out ever. And say and they're due for at least one more to make it to right. that 13 mark. Which right. I mean when your franchise is Friday the 13th, you need to at least make and it you, to 13 and films. You stopped at 12. <laughs> Coming out of this, writers are going to have more of a guarantee on, like, back-end payments. Yeah. And not necessarily ownership rights, but better royalty checks for long-term yeah. uh, consideration. Yeah. They should. Yes. Writers need to be – writers and creators need to be given the credit that they deserve. Otherwise, we wouldn't, ha we wouldn't have anything to talk about. So <laughs> – Right. But let's shift over to that game. I mean, you've played it. I've played it. Yeah. I'm assuming listeners have played it. And if you haven't, pick it up. It's available on just about every platform. Yep. Play as Jason or the counselors. And mm -hmm. it's honestly more fun to play as the counselors. I, I agree. Yep. Jason's fine. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the strategy of trying to get it away. Yeah, because as you watch the movies, you're always like, well, I'd do this, or that's how <laughs> well, I'd do here's it. Here's your chance. Exactly. Here's your chance to finally outwit Jason. And yep. it's not as easy as it sounds. No. Um no, I, I really uh I really enjoy the game. I know some like hardcore gamers that kind of looked at it more in a sense of you know, quality, you know, compared to like giants. It's it's like comparing Avengers to the first Friday the 13th. Right. Like one costs $300 million to make. The other costs, I don't know, a hundred thousand or whatever, <laughs> you know, big, 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 big differences in pay and quality that can be made and whatever. And this was essentially, you know, this was a small independent gaming studio that put this out and made it. Um, so yeah, it's going to have its bugs and not be as, you know, perfect as others, but the amount of care and love that went into making this a fan friendly mm -hmm. game, you know, whoever thought that they would be able to go and explore the Jarvis house or, you know, any number of, of buildings. And I said just about every classic location from the franchise. Mm -hmm. And th that, that's one thing this game does really well is it connects all the movies very well. Yeah. And it, you know, it continues storylines that seem to have kind of dropped off like it, it continues uh you, you learn more about tommy's sister that you never really hear about again after the movie yep. you know just little things like that and when you look at the game and you play the game okay on it on the game surface it's a very simplistic game so sure. i can see how like the the gamers would have issues with it but as a fan of the franchise, there's so much detail to the franchise yes, yes. that there's just so much to sink your teeth into. And yeah, that's sure. why I like it. 
And then, like, the playable characters, you know, some of them, like, they're not exactly the characters from the movie, but some of them uh, kind of, you know, replicate them. And then Tommy Jarvis became a character that you could play again, like, or, like, if you made a call, he would show up. Man, yeah, there's just so much I like about it. And, like, like I said earlier, you know, about Kane, he's largely considered the the fan favorite version of him. and And now we get to see how like so he did the motion capture for jason and there's the downloads or you know if you win a certain amount or whatever that like you unlock other versions of jason and it's kind of cool to see the movement of kane hodder's jason being you know the the sackhead jason you know like oh yeah that was kind of neat to me. Because, yeah, you get to see essentially his interpretation of every Jason prior. Yes. Yep. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, the other neat thing is you can find um, Pamela tapes. Mm-hmm. And it's just like her like records of things. And then um, I thought the even more exciting thing was the Jarvis tapes yes. that you could find. And uh, that was written by, those were all written by Adam Green. And so Adam Green got a right for, like officially write canon for the Friday the 13th franchise. Another reason to throw Holliston in. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, also... You know, he's the director and creator of the Hatchet films, which stars Kane as Victor Crowley and all that. So um, it was and him being such a fan, he was able to connect so many different things. And they're they're all on YouTube. You can go and listen to all the tapes. Um, And it was, you know, it was done by Tom Matthews, who was part six, uh, Tommy Jarvis. Yep. And, um, so like him reading, you know, or voicing these lines, uh, these tapes, um, and then like Adam does little things to slyly connect other franchises like Shocker, Horace Pinkerton, or, um, you know, like what else was Tommy Jarvis doing during these times away uh connecting you know like what what was tommy jarvis doing from the time um that he was you know young Corey feldman into part five where he was you know having the you know the the, where he's on the the, funny farm yeah there you go um so it's just cool to to hear about all these connections to things on these Jarvis tapes so I definitely if you love the game and had a hard time finding them or whatever I definitely recommend going and listening to these and listen for the Easter eggs oh for sure as it is it's definitely a game for the fans it's yeah honestly it's not a game for gamers it is a game for fans of the franchise yeah and with that let's dive into the 12 movies of the killer from the lake jason Voorhees. and for i would say conversation purposes let's break this into four trilogies that you can watch all together or 
independently of each other. I mean, they all kind of lump together very well in movies of three. Yeah. They don't not, – not that all of them are completely like, you know – but yeah, I, I agree. Yes. Yeah, it's just like the way they were put together and packaged, it, it just seemed – and I don't know. Maybe it's because at this point we're used to when you're packaging movies, you're packaging trilogies. It's just <laughs> – sure. it, it seems that you can break these down into these sets of three and they fit really, really well. Yeah. But – Let's start with um, let's start at the beginning, the what I call the evolution, the birth and evolution of Jason. Yeah. So movies one through three. For anybody who's listening to this who I don't know hasn't watched any of these, <laughs> um, thanks for listening to weird random episode. <laughs> so yeah, thanks to, for listening to a random episode, and there may be spoilers. I'm sorry. I'm not. <laughs> so, movie one. We get Camp Crystal Lake, and we see Kid Jason drown because counselors are off doing what horny teenagers do. Then those horny teenagers die, and there's a curse on the kid. Fast forward after the camp's closed, camp gets reopened, and uh, a murder spree takes place. Did you like the POV kills from the first one, or do you prefer like later iterations where you see the killer on the screen? You know, for me, I, I suppose I always prefer to see the thing, like... Even like playing video games, I've always been like a third person shooter than a first person shooter. Um, but like it's, you know, the first movie. I don't want to say entirely, but it's entire. It's an entirely different movie. You right. know, it's supposed to be a whodunit. Like it, you're it, you're not supposed to know who the character is. You're supposed to maybe start assuming. Is it is it Jason? You know, what is this? Yeah, like, I don't I don't mind the way that it's done. It's done pretty well, you know, for the first movie. But I, I suppose I appreciate the, you know, seeing Jason in the other movies more. But see, and I think I think they could have dragged the uh, who done it out to movie three and waited till movie three to actually introduce Jason, because. First time I watched the first one, I honestly thought it was Crazy Ralph was the killer. Well, and yeah, that's kind of how they, you know, they set it up and portray it. You know, it's 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 Scooby Doo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's or what Scream did later. Um, you know, it's who is the person doing the killing, and they very much like try to make it seem like it's a man doing the killing. And I, th I think that's actually very smart because when it finally happens and you see that it's Pamela, you're like, oh. Right. You know, it's this psychotic mom who right. was overprotective. And, you know, I, I get being upset that people weren't watching your kids, kid in her case. But yeah. 
does it warrant going on a murdering spree? As a parent, I understand the want for revenge. Sure. If somebody were to let your child die. Yeah. But that woman was nuts. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, <laughs> you know, you say, does that warrant a killing spree? Well, I suppose, you know, for uh, serial killers, um, they don't care about that. I'm not even <laughs> sure know? Norman Bates would be like, hi, mom. You know, it's I, I don't think that's his cup of tea. But end of the movie, we find out it's not Crazy Ralph. It's. Mm -hmm. Pamela, who in another podcast I did with our friends over at Grawlix, I dubbed Strong Arm Pamela because that woman can like hoist you up like a man with one arm. So Strong Arm mm -hmm. Pamela. You know, we find out later that Jason watches Strong Arm Pamela, spoiler, get decapitated. And it, it's, it, it sucks because then when you get into movie two, like I said, they could have kept with a whodunit. And they kind of do for a little bit. But then we get my favorite Jason look. And that's Potato Sack Jason. Okay. I love Old Sack Head. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. It's just, it's so... Like, I mean, I know the hockey mask is iconic, Jason and right. everything, but you get old Sackhead and it's just, he looks like somebody who has been living in the woods by himself for ages. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, the second one is, I, I would call it probably my favorite one. Yeah. Um, I think it's really well made you know, for the time and, you know, all things considering and, and budgets and all that. But I think it's really well made a uh, great story. Um, and yeah, I, I agree, you know, what, uh, what would a, a kid growing up to an adult, you know, for, you know, whatever the 20 some years or whatever the length of time was, um, you know, what would he look like? He'd, he'd have, you know, crazy pear and beard and you know living on the land like uh, wanting to hide his face or whatever and i say we know due to savini's gorgeous makeup job from the first one mm -hmm. that he was a very deformed child so yes that would yes. only continue to deform right. as he got older had he yes. survived i guess which he apparently did so <laughs> I mean, I know there's all kinds of theories and arguments and whatever that it's this or that. To me, he lived. He was not was not a supernatural being, and you know, a guy that lived, you know, in the woods of the campground until he finally, you know, whatever. That's my take on it. How do you beat old sackhead? You invoke the image of mom. Yeah. So here we have an almost Oedipus complex with this guy who I kind of get because that was 
all he knew. You know, mom was his world. He he would do anything for mom. Yeah. It, w- what's interesting is I would say his greatest strength is his greatest weakness. So it, it's kind of interesting to see that uh, duality in that Pamela, who is his driving force, because at this point, he's taking revenge because mom told him so, and she's yeah. driving him. That can also stop him cold in his tracks. So that that, right. that was really cool to see. Yeah, and, you know, something that continues to be a thing in later movies. Right. To a point. Yeah. And then in three, as you mentioned, we finally get the iconic, well, what becomes the iconic image of yeah. the hockey mask. He ditches the sack and he grabs that uh, hockey mask from Shelly. Yeah. And we get one of, probably one of the coolest kills from the franchise, and that's the uh, spear gun kill on the dock. Yeah. Um, and it's not even the kill that uh, does it. It's just how he does the kill, because mm-hmm. it's like he shoots a girl with a spear gun, and then he just, like, mic drops it and just oh, sure. walks away. Like, so <laughs> That's funny. You know, and he's gone. It, it's so nonchalant. He's just like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to kill you now. Bye. Yeah. It's funny, too, like... I would, and there's, you know, uh, look, we're not trying to be like completely super duper thorough on every single little detail. So like, yes, we're gonna, we're gonna miss some little things here and there. Um, but like, I would call this, you know, like the first of like major continuity errors that this franchise really starts to have, like, Yes, I know that there's continuity errors between one and two, but like a big thing for part three is like it, you know, the cool thing about, you know, first several movies was that they all pick up like immediately after, you know, the one prior and like they always do the little flashback and whatever. And at the beginning of three, Jason is still in the the overalls and the flannel shirt he doesn't have his mask on and his sack head anymore. He's completely bald, completely shaved. <laughs> he decides and at this it, point, I'm going to clean up a little bit. <laughs> right. It's like that, that, that's just, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. <laughs> maybe he had um, a date. I, I, maybe <laughs> <laughs> with Amy Steele. <laughs> right. Who would, who didn't want to date Amy Steele. <laughs> Um, but no, uh, I just always found that funny and, um, but then he goes and he get from, you know, from the closed curtain of the, uh, what are those called? You know, where you do your, you know, your, you dry your laundry outside. Uh, the clotheslines. Clotheslines. Yeah. Um, he, uh. He gets like the work suit and that's when he, you know, has the gray suit and really starts to, like you said, develop what the look of Jason is moving forward. We'll get into it later, but I, I always thought stuff like that was, was pretty funny about this franchise. And like I said, I'll, I'll put a pin in that and we can move forward. 
So yeah, we've now decided that Jason's driven by his mom. He's hindered by his mom. And at this point, really, he just goes after people in and around the lake. Yeah. I mean, Um, if you're on essentially Jason's property, he doesn't want you there. He's going to get rid of you. Yeah. Which I think is an important distinction to make moving forward. Okay, given where sure. uh, um, his kills go in the future. Um, but let's move into the second trilogy, the uh, Jarvis the trilogy, the tales of Tommy Jarvis. Yes. So before we get, you know, this family coming to Crystal Lake on vacation, same time you get this group of party goers coming to go on vacation and four also gives us this the, the weirdest dance scene to ever hit <laughs> movies with well, uh, crispin glover it's between that and the dance scene in uh nightmare on elm street part two true it's interesting the two <laughs> of the biggest horror franchises give us like the weirdest dance scenes yes and they talk about the dance scene in crystal lake uh memories yes. uh so we get Jarvis, who is a prop, you know, mask, a, a burgeoning mask and prop maker himself. Yes. So he is. Which a, I think uh, is a neat uh, character oh, thing yeah. to have. He, he, you know, so we, we have uh, essentially a, you know, little Tom Savini on set, yeah. which is also great because they brought Savini back for this movie. Yes. Because the plan was you know he did the first movie he did the makeup he brought jason to life and he was going to be the one to kill him you know if you ask him jason died in four this was that was the last jason he died in four the one he killed him in i agree yeah i i i completely agree with that as i again my opinion on how this franchise goes um he was alive this whole time. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, in part four, as we're seeing Jarvis, you know, uh, essentially act like young Jason. He shaves his head. He grabs the machete and then he just goes to town. And yeah, him in he the just head. butchers him. Yes. Which is what later gets him into the funny farm because gives him obviously PTSD and nightmares and yeah and that throws us into five which so this is where the uh, and there's again there's like a timeline listed somewhere online where like at the beginning of part five it shows Jason or it shows Tommy Jarvis like it's raining um and I forget exactly what it is like does he think he sees Jason or something? And it like, it's kind of a him. foreshadow of six. Um, yes, the, the, sure. the dream is pretty much what happens at the beginning is six. Yes. He yes. thinks he sees but him come up out of the boy. ground. Yeah. Yeah. But then like it flash forwards 
10, 15 years, something like that. Anyway, like that's that's just again like the weird continuity of of the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, because again, like now you know Part Five is shot. It's made in like nineteen eighty four or five or something like that. When, um, when was Goonies made? <laughs> uh, again, right around there. I think I think it's all eighty five. Yeah. Um, but now it fast forwards. 10 or 15 years so it's it's you know let's just call it to be simple like we'll just say it's 1995 where he's in the the loony bin you know the halfway house because that that was one of the things one of the really interesting things i thought about found interesting about the documentary was five wasn't the movie they wanted to put out sure they you know they wanted to continue with Feldman, but because yes. of, you know, Goonies and then obviously the rise of the Corys, scheduling yeah. just couldn't happen. Yeah, they wanted to have uh, Corey Feldman continue on in the role, but since he couldn't, what's the next best thing? Well, we we just Time told jump. this huge story. Yeah, we just told this huge story with Tommy Jarvis. How do we got to keep that character? So, yes, time jump. And yeah, the dream scene shot in, I think it said it was what, the director's backyard or something. No, something it, like that. Yeah, yeah, somebody's backyard at night, you know, just to help segue it. You know, yeah. so it, it's, it would be, God, you know, it, it would be interesting to see what five could have been if yeah, timing were and different. I don't even know. I really don't know what they would have even done. I say they, they, uh, they never say they just, this, you know, this isn't the movie we wanted to make. We wanted to continue with Feldman. Yeah. And that's really all they go into. It's like, ah, give me more, you know? Yeah. I wonder if there's ever been anything out there that I'm just not remembering or didn't know about, but yeah. Um, it would have been interesting to at least know what were the plans. So we get this Jason movie, which over the years has been quite, controversial because is it a Jason movie? Is it not a Jason movie? Because you know, the big reveal is it's not Jason in this movie. It's the only Jason movie with well caveat that. Um it's the only Jason movie without Jason in it. That so I said I'll I'll put a pin in this for now. Um that's kind of what I'm talking about, you know, with this franchise. Like People get so stringent in their sticklers for how this mo- this franchise is treated. And it's a franchise that has three movies in it. Without him? That really doesn't have Jason That's or very a, little. I say there's two where he's not in it completely and one where he's in the other last bodies. Fi- other people's bodies and like the last fight scene. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we'll like I said, we'll keep we'll get. You know, there. so yeah, that, that that that's where it gets interesting. Is you know, there's been this big controversy. Is it or isn't it? Yes, it is. It's still a Friday the Thirteenth movie. I mean, yeah, y- you go all the way at, at this point. It's not all the way back. It's just you know five movies. It started with his you know with Jason's mom. You know, this yeah. is just some guy picking up the persona, which. Is interesting considering how five ends and 
how they kind of wanted five to end with yeah. Jarvis becoming Being the new the Jason. New, yeah, and it's something that's you know you know been teased or theorized in, in you know a few other things, but this seemed like it was gonna be like they were gonna do it. You know, he's gonna he's he's so you know the PTSD. You know, he's so broken down by this that he is going to be Jason as a copycat killer, basically. It, it could have made such a different road on the franchise. Um, Because as we get further down the franchise, you know, it gets a, a little hokier and a little campier. And that, that's fine. It's the 80s, early 90s. That's kind of where horror was. Um, sure. but we're, we're now invested into this character and we, we've gone on this emotional journey with him and we're uh, about to just throw it all away in six to an extent. Um, we, we've essentially set him up to be this next murderer and instead mm -hmm. he gets to play Dr. Frankenstein and give us zombie Jason. Right. And bring us Jason in part six and eventually play hero. But, you know, honestly, it probably would have been a lot cooler to see Jason stay dead. And, you know, at that point, Jason becomes like a mantle that gets passed on. Sure, it would have would have been neat, but you know, it's I I think too it was one of those things like um Halloween 3, you know, no Michael Myers, people go, "Whoa. Uh where's Michael Myers?" Right. At that point, this movie sucks. At that point There's everyone no was so for the franchise. Everyone wanted so Jason. Go, right. So they go, "Well, Guess we gotta bring Michael Myers back. Same thing. Well, guess we gotta guess we gotta bring Jason back. And bring him back they did. It's probably one of the coolest resurrection scenes outside of a, a classic I mean, it's right out of Frankenstein. Yeah. I mean, you get the he he thinks he's gonna kill him, he gets struck by lightning, jump starts at heart, and here comes Jason. Then he goes on this killing spree, but what's interesting is there were people that he passed and didn't kill on his way to Crystal mm -hmm. Lake. So yeah. he doesn't have to kill everybody. I firmly believe that it's if you're on his property or in his way of getting to where he's going... Mm -hmm. you're in danger. But, yeah. like, if you're just ancillary off to the side, you don't mess with him, he ain't gonna mess with you. And that's it's how you survive, part, Jason. Sure. Yeah. You know, but it, 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 it was interesting to see that, yeah, I mean, he could just, at this point, go past people and, like, oh, there's survivors. Wow, crazy. Yeah. You know, we, we definitely saw a different Jason... You know, this, this new resurrected 
killing machine. Yeah. What do you do when you come back to life? I'm going home. Yeah. You know. Yep. And it culminates in this big fight with uh, him and Jarvis. And he gets that log chain necktie that sinks him to the bottom of uh, Crystal Lake. Of the lake. Yep. And that's it. Jason's dead. Yeah. Again. <laughs> this is the start of the next trilogy. Before we get into that, there's two fan films that continue the Jarvis story. Yes. That have really been deemed like there let me refer, there's a lot of fan films out there because yeah. like we said, you can't get any new content. But a lot of people make fan films. Now there's yeah. two of them that have become pretty well-renowned as, like, the top-tier fan films. Yeah. And there's some other really good ones, but some of them are, like, pretty short or, yeah. you know, whatever. These are full-length. Right. Or close to it. Like, a lot of meat on the bones. I say, and the first one, well, first one and two, I guess, because it's a two-parter, is right. Never Hike Alone, Never Hike Alone in the Snow. Yes. And we re we see the return of Tom Matthews as Tommy Jarvis. Right. And yeah, so this is this is definitely where I think like this is the spoiler territory um because but I look at this as if you have not seen these we are spoiling you into maybe hopefully wanting to check them out. Correct. Cuz they're very very well made. And like we were talking about the uh, the video game, there was clearly a lot of love and thought that went into these to to really hit a lot of fan points. I say it's definitely one that was made made for and by the fans. Yes, the kills are great, the story's great, and you you, you get to see that th that continuation of the the Jason Jarvis storyline that we just saw three movies invest the character in and then we just kind of oh we're done yeah you know and it, it's still left for another one like yeah never hike alone in the snow is still left open for another movie so right. good things are coming here right the first one is, it's just filmed so well. Um, it, like I said, I don't know. It's the first one's a little more simple. Mm -hmm. Um, but like I said, it's just filmed so well. And then as it's and it it's a little shorter actually. It's uh, so I think it's about half hour. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, by the end of it. You know, there's, you know, the reveal of Tommy Jarvis is still around and all that. And it, um, even without that, like, it would have been really cool. So and yeah, then you, you get you, this big reveal and it's like, oh, man, now they're like connecting it. And, you know, it's nothing official, but, you know, as fans, we always wanted to know more and see more. And it it does a great job doing that. And real quick about Never Hike Alone 2 in the snow. They did the thing that people have been wanting to see for 
it like feels like decades at this point because it's like what do you do with jason what do you do with jason how cool would it be to see jason in the snow right i mean we we, we got to see him in space that's the biggest thing that people want to see because look do you know how pretty the snow would look in camp counselor blood i say snow always looks good with a little bit of crimson on it <laughs> so it's you never um, eat again, yellow snow they never say anything about red snow right so yeah they they handled that and uh it's it's cool and then we move over to the other one which you'll see a lot in the news right now because they're currently working on the sequel uh and that's vengeance mm -hmm. starring uh cj graham as elias Voorhees. yes jason's dad and for those who don't know cj graham was part six jason yes uh, again it's very a lot of it's really well written there, yes. there, there's parts where it's a little campy sure but i mean at this point friday the 13th you come to expect it yeah a lot, a lot of horror movies you come to expect it yeah i like camp doesn't bother me it does kind of go back and fill in a lot of what people have deemed plot holes from previous movies? Sure. Or like, um, um, gives now again, it's not, it's not Canon, right? This is, this is fan film. Um, so like the things that they do, like you can't consider it official, but if you wanted to look at it that way, like it helps answer questions that I think is really awesome. And, so, and it does um, also put Elias in a different light. Because when they introduced him in the comics, he uh, was introduced as like this abusive drunk and, you know, just hated Jason and all this. And I haven't, I haven't read him, but I believe Elias was first like actually introduced in um in the like the books in the yeah you know it's the book adaptation of the film yeah essentially he was he was the reason that uh pamela was at crystal lake anyway because you know he was so abusive and she had to get away and so her and jason went to the lake and now yeah. you come here to vengeance and while he's not he doesn't come across as like the doting father. He does yeah. definitely come across as a more caring father figure. Yeah. I mean, and he's cool. Like the movie starts off right there with him. And again, this is where it goes in the spoiler territory, but hopefully it's again, something that makes you go like, Oh man, maybe I should check this out. Like the detail that they put into this type of stuff, I think is really, really good. And he goes up to Pamela and Jason's graves and their headstones are exactly like the ones from the movies. Like, and they're two completely different styles, you know, like I, I can't really explain them that much other like if you know what the headstones look like to me, they're pretty iconic at this point. It is the Pamela Voorhees tombstone in the and the jason Voorhees tombstone and i was like oh those look exactly like they do from the movies that's really cool 
Well, and yeah, he was supposed to get introduced at the end of, oh, I don't remember now, but they talk about it in the documentary and they're like, well, no, we don't, let's cut this because then we have to figure out how to introduce this guy and talk about his backstory and blah, blah, blah. And that was essentially the scene that was going to be at the end of the movie was mm. him coming up to the uh, headstones. So it was. That, that that was also that was really cool to see it in the uh, fan film. Yeah, I don't remember exactly, but you know, just see him take that scene and run with it. And so, yeah, you see Jason go on this uh, on his Jason journey with the Jarvis family, and you learn a lot about in in this fan fan film how the Jarvis family and the Borges family are connected, which makes a very interesting. Yeah, like I said, like this stuff in particular, I was so impressed with, um, like they start doing flashback scenes in a sense. And it shows, um, you know, Jason drowning and, Elias pulling him out of the water. And this is the thing, you know, like I've said it a number of times now, in my opinion, Jason did not die. He lived in the woods the entire time. In this fan film, Elias pulls out the Necronomicon that is used in Jason Goes to Hell puts a spell on him and brings him back to life, making Jason supernatural. And I thought that was a really neat scene. And um, again, answers a question that maybe, maybe the most debated question of the, the series. Right. Um, and again, you can't take it as official, but it is really neat that they did that again very cool that they say what you want about jason goes to hell or anyone that you don't consider to be very good but regardless of any of that like it's part of the series and connecting it in different ways is really cool so them pulling out that necronomicon and bringing jason back from the dead i'm like hell yeah they kind of like the fan theory is is that jason is a deadite mm-hmm you know, from Evil Dead, and that kind of, again, in in this one fan film, makes that a thing. Now, both of these that we just mentioned are on YouTube, and I'm I'll, I'll link them in the episode description if you haven't seen them, or if you just want to watch them again because you definitely should. Um, if you're just looking for something different to watch, and really want to dig deeper into more Jason stories. Right. And uh, one last thing I wanted to, to mention too, you, you know, you said that their connection to the Jarvis family and all that. Um, just another like little detail that they did was like, you know, with the Jar Jarvis family, like Tommy Jarvis's daughter is in it and she's carrying one of his masks from part four one of Tommy Jarvis's masks that he makes in the alien mask. Yeah. And I was like, hell yeah. Like, so there were some deep cool cut that... Easter eggs in this one. Right. And so I say 
definitely don't want to go full spoiler because I I want to you know I, I want to leave some uh, well, and that's meat on not the bone. Giving away no. all the story. That's just letting you know, like there's definitely something the to look of, this for. This is the kind of attention that they've put into the. Oh this. yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's cool stuff, and I suppose yeah, the bringing him back to life was definitely like the biggest spoiler. But I, the other thing too is like it's sh- they recreate the scene where those camp counselors are having sex, and Pamela Pamela comes to kill them but it's actually Elias like um but but what they did with that scene like it's the two kids that like go up into like the attic of the yeah. barn or whatever like they recreate that scene almost to a T like there were parts where I'm like did they just use the same footage but no I'm like it's all new footage and so again very well done in those aspects Say very good attention to detail and yeah, I went back and watched the first one after watching Vengeance, and it's like, yeah, okay, they 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 could have just cut this section here, threw thrown it into the first one, and we could have had a different movie. And it's like yeah. that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. So what they do in this is it's 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 damn cool. So if that's enough to warrant you to check this out, I would. And saying there's some nice throwbacks to there's, there's throwbacks to all the other movies. I mean, the group of kids that hang out with are family members of Jason survivors. Mm. The sheriff in the town, yeah, is yeah. You, you have to mention that the, the he's played by the, Steve Dash. He's played by Steve Dash. One of the best lines, and it became a tagline, was. He gets inter- he's being interviewed by a reporter local about news. Yeah, yeah. local news about the uh, return of Jason, and he's like, "I'm the real Jason. I'm the only one you have to worry about." You know, so it's a nice little nod to the fact that he played Jason previously in part two. Yep. So, lots of Easter eggs, lots of stuff for everybody. Go out, sit down after you listen to this, and watch Vengeance. Watch Never Hike Alone. Watch Never Hike Alone in the Snow. And watch for their sequels. Yeah. And we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. The one line that really got me was, they're having sex, and then the guy says, you've got perfect nipple placement, baby. Oh, I didn't see you guys there. What's going on, Monster Mashers? I'm Randy from the Grolix Podcast and Grolix Cinematic Universe. Hey, put down that corn knife and pull up a log. How are you enjoying Moose's Monster Mash Friday the 13th special episode? Don't stop yet. You're just about to get to the Supernatural trilogy when things go truly off the rails. But after you're done listening to this, if you want to take a deeper dive into each of these movies... Hop on over to GrawlixPodcast.com, G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com, and check out my Friday the 13th specials. I've done three with Moose. We run through the first nine films. We dive into each one, talk about the kills, and really just bathe ourselves in the waters of Crystal Lake. And the same day that this episode of Monster Mash is going out, I'll be releasing the fourth Friday the 13th special over on grolixpodcast.com, in which I will be talking about 
the 2009 remake, the one Jason film we have not yet covered on the Grolic Cinematic Universe. So, finish up this fantastic episode, then jump over to GrolicsPodcast.com and check out the Grolic Cinematic Universe Friday the 13th specials. You can find the Grolics Podcast and Grolics Cinematic Universe on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search them up or go to GrolicsPodcast.com and find the appropriate link. All right, well, you better get back to the episode, and I need to get back to talking about 2009's Friday the 13th. Hey, also, don't forget to grab your corn knife. It's dripping all over the place. You should take it with you. Don't leave that here. And we're back. So, we've covered the first half of Jason's life, and death, and life, and death. (laughs) And now, it's time for him to come back to life. But this time, he comes back bigger, and stronger, and he changed clothes under the water. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I think... So... He's, this again, where, like, the timeline has a major time jump. I think even twice in this movie, because, so whatever the time is from part six ending to when part seven starts, and even that is, like, it's it's, it's a jumbled mess. Um, He's been under the water decaying. For a long time. So that's why his skin is, you know, all even more screwed up than it was previously. And his clothes are even more screwed up than they were and whatever. But somebody um, changed his outfit. It went from green to blue. It was the chemicals in the water, <laughs> I suppose. I don't. And yes. Yeah. I just um, always figured some divers like, eh, let's change him. Fuck it. <laughs> if he wakes up, he wakes up. <laughs> right. Um, but I don't know. Let's let's just say, like I said, I'm sure there's like a scientifically broke down mathematical <laughs> amount of time that went by. But between part four and part five, we came up with maybe about 10 years. So we'll say it was like 96. And then say that part six. You know, part five and part six took over, um, you know, another year. So we'll say it's like 97. How long do you think you'd have to be under the water to start, you know, decaying and stuff? Should we just say five years? Probably. Okay. So now it's, you know, um, the year like 2002. Unless it's Carter Lake, then two years. (laughs) Sorry, listeners, Um, jab on local... uh areas (laughs) um so we'll just say like 2002 and that is when tina i think is her name the telepath um is a little girl and then when she's now we'll say that she's like eight years old in that and then but the bulk of the movie happens when she's let's say 18 ish but still back in the 80s there's another time jump of 10 years so now we're talking like 2012 is when this movie takes place well and it, it, it's well it's when it should take place um 
And here's what I found interesting. The, in this run, it's the Kane Hodder era. Yes. and It's the beginning of it. Yeah. And it's also the era of the wild, crazy, and the paranormal. Because yes. th- this is kind of when the Friday the 13th movies went off the rails a little bit. And yeah, I mean, they were still fun, but notoriously, th- this film is called Jason versus Carrie. Right. You know, and this is when they started introducing elements like that. They, they decided that Jason versus campers just wasn't a good enough formula anymore. They needed to up the stakes. Yeah. So we're going to introduce a telepath. Yes. All right. <laughs> why not and so far I think this is the strangest story trope um, to happen what is essentially considered like the coolest Jason the meanest movie you know so much so that it had you know it's notorious for being you know cut to shreds, you know, yeah. by the MPAA. Oh yeah. Um so much is adored by this movie and it's got a telepath. <laughs> this is when we start getting into those just weird decisions that that make or break a movie and I I think you take away her telepathic abilities, she is a strong character on her own. Sure. She's dealing with you know, the death of her father, uh, this therapist who, you know, even if he wasn't trying to exploit her telepathic abilities, is just overbearing, potentially sexually advancing. Yeah. And is definitely hitting on her mom. Yeah. Uh, taking the family for a ride. So dealing mm-hmm. with all of this and then has to deal with Jason on top of it. Yeah. She's going to go batshit crazy. So yeah. you can take the telepathic element out and still have a rock solid movie. Yeah. Again, it'd give us a completely different movie, but I think it would be better received. It, it w- Obviously, it wouldn't be, you know, Jason versus Carrie. Uh- sure. <laughs> it's oddly a, a pretty highly received movie. I, I, and I think a lot of that has to do with because it, it was different, and we get the new hulking Jason. You know, and I, I uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I was going to say, I wonder how much of that is people, like, just not really thinking about the telepathy parts and just thinking, like I said, you know, it's Kane Hodder. It's the coolest he's ever looked. It's the meanest he's ever been. As a Jason movie, it's pretty damn cool. Oh, yeah. It just has a really weird element to it. (laughs) You you, want to talk weird? Let's switch over to 8. Yep. That's a weird fucking movie. Yeah. You know, I don't know how much I would call it like that weird, but definitely very poorly put together. It just, it's just the way that it is. It has some redeemable things. Um, you know, Kane's back. He's always wet for 
some reason. <laughs> He's like the rock. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, he gets on a cruise ship in New Jersey, in, a lake in New, in New Jersey. It and takes somehow Manhattan. This, somehow this cruise ship gets out to the ocean to Manhattan. Um, it's very strange. With one of the coolest fight scenes I think I've ever seen, and that's the boxing scene. I mean, it's a it's a fun scene. It's silly. Well, it's it's, it's one of the first times you see somebody really go like toe to toe with Jason. Yeah. Without, I mean, just bare knuckles, toe to toe, and say essentially, if I'm going to go out, I'm going down swinging, and yeah, it's just really fun to watch. And it's what I find interesting about it is here it is. This is New York in the 80s. And people, you know, people often ask, how is it he was able to go on this like killing spree in New York? You know, obviously it's it's easy when he's on his home turf in Jersey, you know, because it's the middle of the woods, all this. I don't know how many people remember what New York in the 80s was like, but a guy walking down the street in a hockey mask wouldn't have been that far out of the norm. No, not at all. He even joked about it at one point in the movie until, like, he took his mask off and yeah. freaked him out. You know, so... Which I like that part, too. It's funny. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's fun. It's... You know, it, it was very... Uh, it was almost Beetlejuice-esque, really. Yeah, it had like a Beetlejuice feel to it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It, it. it was just fun and weird to think that somebody like Jason would fit in walking down the streets in New York in the 80s. Right. You know? Right. And then we switch over to Nine, and he's not in the movie. Much. Right. Because right. he went to hell. Yes. Yeah, we learn. Yeah, we learn that he, um, you know, has this evil entity about him. And he got family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is this little demon worm thing that transfers from host to host. Um, and yeah, he has a sister or a half sister. And again, this is another one of those ones where. Yeah, like you said, Jason's not really in it. <laughs> no, and th- that I-, I think out of all of them, nine is probably the weirdest. Yes, I agree. You know, and it's not even because he's not in it; it's just the way it's put together. Yeah, essentially the 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 town celebrating Friday the Thirteenth with Jason patties and. You know, it's just, I don't know, it just, it seemed really strange that they would be celebrating this uh, killer and this lore when in pretty much every other movie, it's been, oh, we don't talk about him. (laughs) Right. You know, he he doesn't know. Mm -mm. This is a no-go. Right. You know, but it it was a fun outing and... You know, it again, like I, I said earlier like yeah if you feel this way about the movie you know i get it like honestly (laughs) oddly enough like when i started watching 
you know, when I started like developing as like a, a horror movie fan and started looking into all of these franchises and as a little kid, I wasn't watching Friday the 13th. So I picked up on it a little later in life, you know, a, a, a early to mid teenager. Um, and uh, so like when I watch all the Friday the 13th movies in a row, I don't want to say it becomes stale, but you know, it kind of becomes stale. You know, you do the same type of thing over and over and over again. Um, the weird ones kind of became my favorites. Like I always liked how bonkers Jason goes to hell is. I loved how bonkers and out of place season of the witch, you know, Halloween three was like, I was an early lover of that movie and most people hated it. Nowadays you hear a lot of people going like it's one of, if not the best of the entire franchise, you know, but it was not considered that. And I always felt the same way about Jason goes to hell. It's just weird and different. And it doesn't always make for great choices all the time, but it's risks. It's ballsy. And I like that about that. So that's my pedestal. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's, it's weird. They knew what they were making. Yeah, and for sure. It, as weird as it was, how does Jason go to hell? Freddy brings him down. Exactly. It sets up for a future movie. I do want to say, before we go on to that portion, um, I do want to say that uh, I mentioned in the Vengeance uh, fan film, he uses the Necronomicon, which is used. That and the Kandirian dagger are used in this movie. Um, and they are the same exact ones that were used in Evil Dead 2. Because, um, uh, you know, it was uh, K&B effects, Greg Nicotero, all mm -hmm. that, that worked on both movies. And they're like, hey, we need this. And he went well, I have this, these props and like, they were not supposed to use it, but it went under the radar. So they got to use it. Yeah. And that's cool. And, you know, and the director, the writer, the writer is like, yeah, you know, in my own, my thought process, like, yeah. Uh, Jason's a deadite. Yeah. Like that's kind of what I was going for without ever really saying it. Exactly. Um, so, uh, neat little connections. Oh, yeah. That's all. You know, it, it sets up for this dream match, and we'll get into that, but dude yeah. uh, writes uh, issues that has to get put on hold for a little bit, and we... Well, it wasn't even rights at that time. They were all under New Line, because Jason Goes to Hell was the first... It, it, the reason why it's called Jason Goes to Hell is because it's the first movie that moved out of Paramount years and into New Line Cinema. And Paramount owned the Friday the 13th film rights, but New Line Cinema got the um, the rights to Jason. So that's why that 
and the the subsequent movies after that were all called Jason instead of Friday the 13th. It wasn't really a rights thing. It was just a development thing. Damn development. Yeah. And since we get stuck in developmental purgatory, we get launched into space. Correct. Which, for almost every franchise, is usually the death knell for the franchise. Which I consider a fallacy, by the way. But it is commonly, yes. Yeah. Now, so usually the in space movie is the the worst of the series. And sure. While Jason X had its moments, I'm not gonna call it the worst of the series. Um again, yeah. it had its moments. But it was a really cool take on Jason. Here here's here's why I bring up, you know, some of the continuity um you know the fact that the it's a franchise where jason's so beloved and he's not even in three of the movies you know all that it's it's because let's be honest as much as we love so many of them none of them are really that great and that's coming as like a huge fan but i'm being realistic i'm gonna say the best one is probably the first one and that's he ain't even you know, in and, it. And, and that's debatable, you yeah. know? Because, yeah, like, I, you know, I think with any of it, it's because any of them can be used in one way or the other as, like, good or bad. Um, Just because this one's in space and, and does some, you know, some strange things or Jason goes to hell, has this weird worm thing, like, franchise has been weird since the beginning, okay? You know, the the very first one, admittedly, by the creator, stated, this is a Halloween ripoff. We want to rip off Halloween to make money. And then it doesn't even do a good job ripping off Halloween because it's like nothing like it. <laughs> you know? I say, instead <laughs> like, of babysitters, we get camp counselors and it's... But it's a whole point of view thing and who's the killer and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And like, it's just... I say it's Halloween meets Black Christmas. Sure. You know, and whatever. Like, I I know, again, like, kind of pedestal here, but, like, just because this one isn't that good, like, come on, let's be honest. (laughs) Say, Uber Jason is probably right behind Sackhead in uh, my top tier of favorite Jasons. And And it's because you get to see a my assumption is it's because it's different. It's different, and you really get to see Kane shine in that, like, just bulked out, yeah. Yeah, just agree. massive killer sure. performance. Yeah, definitely. You know, you, you, you get to see more of the uh, actor in Kane. Yeah. You know, and that's another thing that goes to show, like, how much Kane is loved as Jason and as a person, because, you know, and again, I'm being realistic here. I understand where the fan complaints come from. He's in like the worst movies, you know, according to fans, like I said, you know, the wild, the crazy and the paranormal, you know, he, yeah, it's telepath on a boat worm in space. That's, 
That's Kane Hodder movies. God, you put that together, you just made a sci-fi movie. Like a sci-fi channel movie. There's a telepath on a boat. With a with worm in space. Worm <laughs> that goes to space. <laughs> with a Sharknado. Yeah. Kane must really, really be loved. Right. Because fans don't like those movies. <laughs> you know? But. Not Seven as much, but. You know, but everyone loves Kane much more, but, but, you know, anyway, it's just, that's interesting stuff to me. It, it is. And, you know, regardless of the, uh, wacky and crazy run that he had. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like you said, he got put in some of the weirdest situations and he still manages to give these amazing performances yeah. as this just monstrous killer. Yeah. And that is definitely a testament to his ability. And to come from just a stunt guy to now actor who puts everything into the character. Yeah. Who, as we know from watching the documentaries. Yeah. It's he... He he tries to think as the character would think when he's going into the role. Mm-hmm. That, that that says a lot about the care he has for the role. Oh, for sure. Which is why this next part really sucks. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Freddy vs. Jason. We mentioned this had been in development since the end of 9. Yes. So I'm going to go just do the quick research real quick. <clears throat> we were supposed to see Kane Hodder versus Robert England. That was the original plan. Jason Goes to Hell came out in 1993. God, Freddy we- vs. Jason came out in 2003 as a junior in high school 10 years um that this movie was being developed now jason x came out in 2001 so the longest amount of time see that was the thing Freddy vs. Jason was supposed to come out after Jason goes to hell. Yeah. And they couldn't they couldn't make it work. They couldn't make it work. They couldn't make it work. Blah 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 blah. So then they're like, well, we need to do another Friday the 13th. So let's do Jason in space. Um that's the longest time. 93 to 2001. That was the longest amount of time that a a Jason movie hadn't come out. That's Eight years? Yeah. Okay. The remake came out in 2009? Yeah. I think? Yes. Just wanted to fact check. Um, And it's now 2021. That's 12 years? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Longest amount of time we've waited. I know we talked about that earlier, but I, I just since we're here, I, I wanted say, to break putting down putting it in like, numbers. Yeah, that's that's insane. This is this is the point that it's gone with no end in sight. Right. So, but anyway, Freddy versus Jason. 
finally yeah. happens, 2003. And like I said, we're supposed to see Robert England, Freddy Krueger, Kane Hodder, the Jason. Yep. Go head to head. Killer take all. It's finally going to happen. Everyone's on board. Nope. We lose Kane. But Kane doesn't yep. know. Yeah. No. And here's the thing, like. And that's some bullshit. <laughs> I, um, you know, <laughs> it's funny. Like, people, I'm sure, you know, like. There's there there's gonna be diehards that that listen to this and be like this guy's fucking nuts, <laughs> like, because I like Freddy versus Jason as well. I like Jason Goes to Hell. I like Jason X. The only one I really don't like is Takes Manhattan, and even that I can find some redeemable things out of it. But like, you know, I'm not trying to like claim you know better fan or anything like that but like i'm a true fan of this and like i've got a half sleeve of jason tattoos and i've collected like 40 autographs you know from the franchise and you it's know, true I, like, I was there I for truly, the last one like and i'm not trying to brag or anything i just like i truly love the franchise and like so you know i'm just saying like if if people are like god he's nuts he likes these crappy movies eh, you know so what we we well, I mean, you might be nuts, but we all we all like something that's not good. So you know, uh, whatever you like, you you listener right there, uh huh. You you like shitty things too, so leave me alone. You might say you're listening um, to me, so <laughs> yeah. You know, but like, I, I like Freddy vs. Jason, and and I know there's the complaints of like, you know, one of the biggest thing is. Freddy uses water to be a thing that he's scared of where when we've seen Jason like hanging out in the water, he's not afraid of water. I suppose if I wanted to try and like battle that a little, like it's in the dream world. Like, uh, so maybe it like for as a dream, it's still like a nightmare to, to Jason. I don't know. Like, yeah, I get it though. Like there's, there's some silly things in it. Maybe it could have been darker or scarier or whatever, but like at this point, we've gone full camp, right? We have to look at where both franchises have gone. Like I said, you know, let's break down Friday the 13th. No, Jason, Jason with a sack on his head, Jason gets a hockey mask. Jason dies. No, Jason. Jason gets Frankensteined back to life. Telepath. Boat. Boat. Worm. Worm. Space. Versus Freddy. Yeah. Freddy, while his movies were still, like, very, um, I don't know. Like, I don't think, like, overall that they really jumped the shark. But he, as a character, became like this superhero. Like everybody loved Freddy, so he became this this one liner guy. Right. So you you want to listen to more about how batshit uh, the Freddy universe got? Go check out my Mixtron episode. Who worked on? Uh, I believe it was three and four, but yeah, I think. Um, Three and four or four and five, something, one of those. But he, he, like he definitely, he worked on the Freddy franchise and yeah, he, from his own 
words. He'll you can hear how bad shit and everything the Freddy franchise was getting at that early in the game. So they they both went really campy really fast. Freddy lends itself to that because it's it's this dream world. Things right. can be nutty. Exactly. You know. Um but, but my biggest point is Freddy became this pop culture icon. He became Hulk Hogan or Superman mm-hmm. or Spider-Man or whatever like people know who Freddy is even if they've never seen a movie they know who Freddy is and they know he's a funny guy. You know, that's the biggest takeaway from Freddy and where he went. Yeah. So you have these two, at this point, very cheesy characters. Kind of the best thing that you can do is you make this, like, it's an event film. Mm-hmm. It's it's a popcorn film. It is watching these two just, like, it's WrestleMania. Yeah, it, it, you it's, know? And it's is Hogan that, versus Savage. Yeah, right. Is that best place to go for it? You know, like what we want, maybe not. But at that but time, but do you like, put asses in the seats? That's yes. What it, that's that's where the franchises are. Right. Um. You know, it's it's a spectacle movie. Uh, so I think the big thing is to make it fun, and and you know, I think uh, I think they do a pretty decent job of like callbacks to to things from previous movies and you know i think it has enough respect for you know the the franchises earlier on i think more so for freddy than jason but kane hodder um, still even slipped in right because they're watching texas chainsaw uh, texas chainsaw massacre part three mm-hmm. leatherface where he was a stunt double for leatherface and the scene that they show is one of the stunt double scenes. I forgot about that. Good call. It's like, so he still managed to slip into the movie. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, to talk about the Kane thing, look, I do feel bad that Kane didn't get the role. I do think it would have been cool. Um, At the end of the day, like. I just wish it would have been handled differently is my biggest thing. No, no, like I said, I agree. I agree. Um but I kind of like Frankenstein uh Jason like not that he's Frankensteined back to life, but like that's like kind of how they portray him. Yeah. He's like this big they they kind of took Jason back to basics in this. The the, the line of communication should have been better and had the situation been handled differently I don't think there would have been as much uh, bad blood on like Kane's side, on the fan side. But that said, we probably wouldn't have gotten the fun episodes of Holliston that we did. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it kind you know of played what? out in the. I think, I think in the long run, I think it might have helped him more with getting roles because a lot of people. You know, look, a lot of people like us, fans who wanted to see him be Jason and then feel bad and whatever, became filmmakers and was like, fine, if they won't use him, I will. Right. And I, 
who's to say that he would have gotten, you know, some of these other roles? Well, I mean, that's um, how he ended up as Victor Crowley. Right. Um, if he was still playing Jason, we wouldn't have had that. You know, obviously, like, I'm not saying that he's had just these tons of iconic roles afterwards. But, like, you know, he got to play BTK Killer. You know, he, like, he got to be a guy to, be like, portray, like, he got to be an actor. Yeah. After this. Not just Jason. Right. He got to, like, Kane himself, his face got to be in things. I don't know if we look, obviously that's just speculation and whatever, but like hypotheticals, but I'm not sure if he would have gotten that stuff. Yeah. I mean, he got a bum deal with Freddy versus Jason, but long-term I I agree. I think he made out the, he he got the better deal. You know, I, I, and, and it's not because it's Jason. And again, this is hypotheticals or, you know, not because it's, Kane. Nothing against Kane is what I'm trying to say, but like, if he would have played Jason in that, I almost wonder if it would have been even more over the top. Possibly. You know? Because he was the one that brought so many characteristics, the big heavy breathing. Like, trust me, they would have made that a, a bigger gimmick. Yeah. It almost would have been a parody of himself. I say it would have been another wacky, zany Jason movie to add to his already wild, crazy, and paranormal run. Right. And again, I it may not have been like that at all. Maybe it would have been the catalyst that made it badass and scary, but, you know, I don't know. See, who can anyway. tell? But then we get a remake in 2009 with Derek mm-hmm. Mears. Yep. And we get an altogether different style of Jason. Again. So, again, like, people will probably think I'm nuts. <laughs> you are um, nuts. But it's okay. I think that this is up there as one of the best in the franchise. So I, I, I really liked the remake because one it had production value right you know it had a budget like trust me i get that's not what makes movies good but it certainly helps a whole hell of a lot um and as you and i've talked previously it filled in a, a lot of gaps in like how jason gets around camp crystal lake with the right. underground tunnel system. Um, yep. And the townsfolk are very protective of Jason in this movie. Yeah. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's you don't mess with him. He doesn't mess with you. They really hammer that home here. Right. It's, don't go up there messing around. Yeah. It, he's going to get you. Yes. And th- that was that's one of the things I really liked about it. He just, you know, he wants to be left alone and right. do his own thing. And you know, he was living off living off the grid before living off the grid was cool. Right. And that's a big thing to me about this movie that I love so much. As I've stated again several times, my take on the Jason character is that he did live 
until you know he was killed in part four um so them going that route in this one like what what is some like someone that has survived from being like an eight-year-old kid or whatever age to now being like a 20s 30s some year old man living off the grid as you said living off the land like what are the things that would make them be able to do such a thing they're survivors they're a survivalist like one of the things that has always stuck out to me about uh this movie when it was being made was the creators said that jason is like rambo in this you watch that first rambo movie it's not the parody of itself that it became later and i don't mean parody like it became funny but like they definitely made him like this super soldier guy you know like in the jungle and stuff he wasn't like that like in the first like he was a army vet on his own tough resourceful that's what jason is in this movie he yeah sure he's deformed maybe you know not completely right in the head but he he's resourceful he's a survivalist mm-hmm. he he's learned how to live off the land he probably hunts i mean yeah i think that's evident because like okay how's he gonna eat food right you know he uses bow and arrow he like you know, like the the knife and the machete and stuff. Like it's all tools that people legit use to, to you know, to live or or hunt in those situations. Now, what do you do when people come and start bugging you, and you're also a psychopath murderer? Well, these tools are now weapons, and. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of great things about Jason in this and creating the underground system and, you know, the tunnel system. Like, you can't always be out (laughs) in the open and, you know, what are you going to do? Like, always, like, be climbing through trees to try and get somewhere? No, you go through this little tunnel system that you live in, you know? And, you know, as I said, we see this new Jason who... They, they, they kind of, with, with Derek, they made, like, an amalgamation of every Jason that came before. He's big and bulky. You know, he's kind of hulking like Kane. Yeah, a little bit. Um, But he's fast. Yeah. This Jason runs. Yeah. And that... Was how do you, interesting how do you to make see. Jason scarier? Right. Make him be able to chase and hunt your ass down. Right. You know, it's... You, you take what has always been just this slow stalking killer and put some speed behind him, and mm-hmm. now you just ramped him up tenfold. Yeah. And that's really what did it for me for the remake is like, holy shit. You know, Jason has always had that kind of scare factor because, you know, he's a silent killer. You don't know when he's going to pop out. You don't know where he's going to pop out. But now you take that and he can charge you like bull. And (laughs) you're dead. 
you know, it's <laughs> right. It, it took them however many years, but they finally managed to find the perfect formula for a Jason with this remake. That, yeah. I mean, that's what I thought. And, you know, obviously there's others who don't and that's cool. Um, but I just, to me, you get pretty much everything you want out of a Jason movie, I think, and more. Right. And, you know, listeners, I would love to hear your thoughts. So head over to my Twitter account, that's Moose Media Inc. And let me know what you, you know, let me know what you thought of this episode and the uh, franchise as a whole. This has been phenomenal. And we, 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 we made it through a Friday the 13th alive. Mm-hmm. We, we uh, survived Jason, as it were. Oh, um, and there's that TV series. There is that TV series. About the haunted, the haunted uh, <laughs> thrift store. Right. <laughs> anyway, that's all. I realize this is your fourth time on the show. Um, but yes. where can listeners uh, keep up to date with you? Because a couple things have changed since, well, at least one thing has been added since the last time uh, you were on, I'm pretty sure. Let's see. Um, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, I suppose, at Zombilly Horror. Um, Z O M. B-I-L-L-Y. And uh, through there, I post about the music or podcasts that I'm a part of. Uh, the main band that I'm in is a horror punk band called Graveyard Smash, um, where our music is available on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Bandcamp, and uh, um, a CD uh, that is limited um, from Deadly Distribution in Germany. You can check them out. And, uh, you know, punk music all about horror movies. And then um, podcast is the Major World Order, a fan podcast to the Major Wrestling Figure podcast. I know that sounds strange. But if you were a fan of WWE's Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, or as they're known by their real names now, Matt Cardona and Brian Myers, or AEW's Smart Mark Sterling, it has a very, very strong community of people, and we talk to a lot of those people. So if you're into collecting in general, um, it might be worth checking out. And you're not just MWO for a day. You're MWO for, for life. life. And, listeners, you can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com or, as I mentioned, over on Twitter at Moose Media Inc. Billy, always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Very, uh, very happy to be able to talk about this stuff at length. And, yeah, I hope we get to do it again. Of course. And until next time, Horror Hounds, mash on. This has been Bruce's Monster Match. Come back for 
for chills and thrills if you dare. <laughs>